0: and start building excellence in your life, leadership, and legacy. Hey everybody, welcome to the Building Excellence Podcast. I've got Ian Davis with me today. Thanks for being on the show, Ian.
1: Thanks for having me. Excited yeah, to be here.
0: Absolutely. Well, if you wouldn't mind, kind of give us uh, some background to you and growing up and what that was like for you.
1: All right. So, uh, so I was born in Kingfisher, Oklahoma, big town of Kingfisher. Um, my dad has always been a pastor, and so uh, he was a youth pastor there, <clears throat> and then um, when I was one, we moved to Oklahoma City, and he became a singles pastor, um, and then over the next couple of years, we, we moved around a bit. We ended up uh, landing in Birmingham, Alabama, for about five or six years growing up, and absolutely loved it out there. And then, when I was in eighth grade, they came to us, and my dad said that he uh, got a job at a church in, here in, back here in Oklahoma City, um, where he could be kind of that closer to his side of the family. And uh, so we moved back my eighth grade year, um, and uh, that was it turned out to be the, the biggest blessing in my life moving back here to Oklahoma because um, you know I probably would have never ended up up at oklahoma state on the golf team up there and and been able to meet all the lifelong friends that i have now so that was kind of my a little bit of my background yeah in the early days
0: well what was it like as you went from you said you're eighth grade you're in alabama which birmingham is beautiful by the way but yes yeah you're in eighth grade and you had to transition back to oklahoma was that something that was challenging for you at the time or was it something that you naturally had the ability to to make new friends and so you're okay with it or what was that like?
1: I remember finding out and uh, started crying because I did not want to leave Birmingham had all my friends you know from growing up there and was really upset Um, but once we moved back and uh, I started making friends at Deer Creek it it ended up you know being fine I was young enough to you know still make friends. And, and luckily I wasn't already in high school. So I still had the whole, my whole high school experience to go through in Deer Creek. Um, and it ended up being the biggest blessing. I think that, that we, that we moved back.
0: Yeah. And were you always playing golf, you know, all, all the course of being in Alabama and then back in Oklahoma the whole time?
1: Yeah, I always played golf. Um, I would always go out with my dad. He's he's who kind of got me started in golf um he played with his friends growing up and uh, or while I was growing up and I remember going out and he would take me when I was you know two three years old and just kind of let me ride in the golf cart when him and his buddies were playing and then eventually as I started getting older I would I would play with them um and so kind of you know I always played golf but whenever I was in Alabama football was was kind of the, the king over there so I played football uh, and basketball, baseball, kind of everything growing up. Um, once I got here to Oklahoma, I, I only played basketball and golf um, until my junior year in high school. I I kind of knew that, I, that golf was going to be my path and passion and um, quit playing basketball to basically just solely focus on golf my last two years of high school, kind of. You know, I I knew I wanted to play after high school and into college and hopefully after college. And not having the off season to train and get stronger and practice a little bit because of basketball, you know, I decided I'm just gonna quit playing basketball and focus solely on golf and throw all my cards into that basket.
0: Yeah. So. Well, you talk about kind of transitioning it into just golf, but I feel like golf is something where you know, you have to get into it early on, or it may not be the case, but you tell me you kind of have to um, play the game growing up, kind of get a feel for it. And I feel like at least nowadays, it seems like everyone specializes at such a young age in golf. And then you have guys that come on the scene and they're like 16 years old or even somewhat younger. So was that something that was the case? Or did you really kind of like at at junior years, like, okay, this is what I'm going all in at. Obviously you had talent, you were good at it, but, was there some strides to make at that time?
1: Uh, for sure. I was not very good uh, my first couple of years in high school. Um, I will say this. I think that playing other sports growing up helped um, not only the team aspect of it, you know, but just not solely focusing on golf, because I think at least for me, I would have probably got burnt out really early on. Um, so one thing that I if any dads ask me, you know, ever or if I'm giving a lesson to their younger son, you know, I try and encourage them to if they want to play other sports to let them because I think that's that's great. And being a multi sport athlete, at least, you know, early on in your uh while you're growing up is is the way to go. Um now that being said, there are some of those guys out there now that you know, just specialize in golf and they're superstars early on. And it takes, it takes, uh, basically all their time. you know, golf is almost all year round. Um, at least once you get to tournament golf. And so it's hard to play other sports if you're going to, if you're going to try and travel and play a bunch of golf tournaments.
0: Yeah. And so throughout that process, Obviously your dad played golf, were your parents pretty supportive of you playing golf all the time and kind of going in that direction?
1: Oh yeah. Yeah, my dad uh my dad obviously loves golf and he he wasn't going to push me one way or the other, but he wasn't upset whenever I <laughs> decided to <laughs> whenever I decided to only focus on golf. Um, uh-huh. But yeah, early on in, in high school, I was I was uh, I remember my freshman year um i had to i had to play a playoff with another guy on our high school golf team just to get on to the top five to play in state um i ended up i ended up playing really well at state um and we won and that kind of propelled me to you know that kind of lit a fire a little bit under me to say you know i i might be able to be good at this game Um, and I really saw strides whenever I stopped playing basketball and I was I was able to focus just on golf
0: yeah I'd heard a story from coach McGraw on on you and (laughs) and kind of uh, growing up like he didn't happen to see you too much on the scene until he realized that you were also you know working while you were playing these golf tournaments and paying for the tournaments and whatnot so talk right. a little bit about that and what that was like because that's a different and unique experience to go through that as a high school kid and playing in those tournaments and working on the side and doing all that
1: Yeah uh you, you know um for all of the uh for all of the great things about your dad being a pastor you know <laughs> uh being a multimillionaire is not one of those Um <laughs> <laughs> uh, so you know, a lot of times, well, starting when whenever I was in Alabama, I started mowing yards in the summertime. So that's what my dad did growing up. And he's like, you know, this would be a great way for you to learn how to work and make a little money on the side. Um, and so I, I continued to do that um, and started getting yards whenever I moved back here to Oklahoma. Um, so a lot of times I would mow yards to, you know, start saving up money to buy new golf clubs. Or um, if I wanted to play, you know, a bunch of tournaments in the summertime, you know, they're, they're not cheap and, uh, and traveling and, and doing that whole deal. Um, so I ended up playing most of my junior golf in and around Oklahoma um, just because, you know, plane flights and the whole the whole deal can add up quickly and uh, whenever I was around here a lot of those tournaments are you know on the weekends or you know whenever it might have been but I was mowing yards you know two or three days a week so I remember it'd be as hot as it can be here in the summertime and I would have a say eight o'clock tea time finish at about one and I'd go crank out about five yards after that you know, just to get some done. So I didn't have as many the next day. Um, so, you know, I, I think that was a huge benefit. Um, just learning the value of of hard work and, and all that and sacrificing some of the time and, and having discipline to do that, you know, taught me life lessons early on um, that would stay with me until, you know, forever.
0: Yeah. And that's, that's quite a unique experience. But as you look back, you're able to to see your story as you play it out, where, you know, you're for anyone that doesn't know mowing yards in the summer, is hot. it's hot. <laughs> and so also playing golf in the summer, you're going in the mornings, you're playing, you know, a lot of a, a round of golf in the morning, and then going right into your job in the afternoon where it's, you know, it's the heat of the day. So for many people, golf already wears them down for playing 18 holes. Right. <laughs> so going right into your job. Yeah but at the same time like it's something you valued something you wanted so you're willing to put the work in to to do whatever it took to got there to get there and so you see that play out in your story can you remember the first time you maybe met coach McGraw and uh talk about kind of the rec- recruiting experience for you maybe not just with him but in general and how that all shaped
1: um yeah i remember the first time that he saw me hit a golf shot um, I didn't meet him that day, but I was at Kicking Bird in Edmond um, playing a tournament, and I was on number 11, which was a par three. And I saw him walk up behind me, and I was as nervous as you can get because you know <laughs> I knew this was the golf coach at Oklahoma State. I was a freshman at, in high school at the time, and uh, you know I hit my shot. I don't even know where it went. And then he walked off and went to watch some other players that were better. Um, and after that, I didn't really see him much over that, my freshman, sophomore year, because I wasn't really doing anything worth watching anyhow. Um, my junior year in high school is kind of where things um, picked up for me. And I remember I, I didn't have to be at school, I think, until maybe 830. <clears throat> um, and so I ended up getting up and working out before school, I I went to the church gym and uh, would get up at 5.30, go up there, work out, go to school. And then I would get out and go to the golf course until it got dark. And I did that every single day. Um, and over that time, I, I noticed how I was starting to get better and better and play better in tournaments. And because of my work, and discipline going, you know, getting up even when I didn't want to, it gave me more confidence out there knowing that I was, I didn't think that anybody else in the state worked harder than I did. And so once I got to the tournaments, I was relaxed, you know, and confident and knew that I was the best one out there on the golf course that day. And I think there's a lot to be said for that is whenever you do the small things over and over again, you feel like you belong. And that way you can just go out and, and, you know, play free. Um, So during that time, after, you know, throughout the high school season, I played great and college coaches started to notice. And I didn't really know anything about recruiting. Um, Early on, Wichita State uh, started recruiting me um, and some smaller schools here around Edmond um, a couple smaller ones in in Texas Um, but you know I I kind of had my sights on you know I wanted to go to a big school and play for a golf team that was you know really good Uh, I didn't know where that was going to land me at the time but so Wichita State was awesome D1 school um, I went up there on a visit and met the golf team. We played golf and met the coaches and everything. And, uh, and they offered me a full scholarship, and, which was awesome. Well, after that happened, you know, it's funny how other coaches start to, know, start yeah. to notice. And uh, Coach Hibble down at OU, it was his first year down there. So he was trying to build a program. And he he recruited me very, very hard. And uh, I grew up a big OU fan. My whole family's an OU fan. My, my brothers went there. Um, so, you know, early on, I kind of was like, well, I'll probably end up there. Well, then Coach McGraw came on the scene. And, uh, and the thing that I liked about Coach McGraw was, you know, and, and talking with, with everybody, he was the same in recruiting. As he was, whenever you were there in college, as he was, you know, with our donors and with the guys who are PGA Tour stars. Now he's the same to everybody. You know, he doesn't care who you are. He's going to treat everybody the same, which was great. You know that I that was that was huge for me. Um, <laughs> I remember a, a funny story. Uh, I got two funny stories about recruiting okay. that I can think of. So the team is down at Oak Tree National playing a qualifying. So he calls me, and uh, he's going to come over to my house, my parents' house, for dinner after they get done. So I went out and watched the team play that afternoon, and then I rushed back home before he got there to take a shower and get ready for dinner. Well, I take a shower, and I'm going as fast as I can. I just grab a shirt out out of my drawer throw it on and go out there and meet him, and and I walk out and he goes my nice shirt Ian and I look down and I had put an OU t-shirt <laughs> with coach McGraw coming over to my house to eat <laughs> so I was like yeah probably probably not the best move there didn't think uh, that through yeah <laughs> he always likes to joke about you know I got I got Ian to commit and The first time I ever went over to his house, he's wearing an OU T shirt. (laughs) OU T shirt. Yeah, that's an awesome story. Yeah. So um, uh, I had, uh, yeah. Uh, So I had gone up to Karsten and played with a buddy who was a member. And uh, Coach McGraw showed us around afterwards. Um, And then he asked me to come into his office and uh, talk with him for a little bit. And I ended up sitting in his office for probably an hour, hour and a half talking with him. And he finally asked me, he said, Why should I even let you on my golf team? And I was, <laughs> you know, kind of surprised. I didn't really know how to take that. And um I had always kind of chased after Taylor Gooch. He was he was kind of he was the best in the state. You know, we were the same age, same year. And I'd always kind of chased after him because I knew he was going to ok- Okie State. And if I wanted to go there, I needed to, you know, I needed to beat him. So Coach Murrell asked me that question and I said, well, Coach, you got Taylor Gooch coming up here right next year? And he said, yeah. I said, well, I I mean, I know it's not a national event or anything, but I just beat him at conference regionals and state. So I think that I could probably compete up here. And I, he, He likes to tell that story, and I think he was impressed by that, but I just had the confidence to say that. Um, And after that was kind of when he started really seriously recruiting me pretty hard. Um, And he was like, you know, I know you're not going to go play national events all over the country, but, you know, whenever you play tournaments this summer, uh, you just go out and impress me and beat everybody else, and, uh, you know, we'll find a spot for you. Um, and fortunately that's, I was able to play some good golf and ended up committing, um, the next year.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, you talk about that story being coach McGraw's office and confidently saying that you feel like you could play on the team, obviously competing against other guys. But at the same time, as you look back within kind of the things you've talked about before, you know, you gain confidence from preparation. And all the work right. that you did, putting in the hours, getting up at 5.30 every morning, going to work out, going to school, after school, going to play golf. Like you can watch that gradual process of you building um, your skills, your confidence, that preparation. It gives you the ability to to walk in there and say, uh, have, and I think there's a, a word that really comes to my mind. And I think a lot of people that have done things at a high level possess. And it's just confident humility. It's not like an arrogance, it's not cockiness. It's just confidence in knowing that you put in the work to do the best of what you're capable of. At the same time, you know that there can be more that's that can be done. And so it's having this confidence mass with humility. And so having that about you, um, you can see why you were able to develop that because you put in the work. And that's something I don't ever want to overshadow is there's these behind the scenes moments that no one sees. Uh, right. But everyone likes to see the spotlight or the attention that you get from doing really well. But uh, those hours com- uh, compared to the hours that you put in, you know, are astronomically different. You know, there's so much prep work that goes into playing golf. Um, you know, I don't know all the ins and outs of golf, but I just know there's a lot of work that goes into it just like anything else. And just that, that story kind of exemplifies having that confident humility, and, but there's preparation that was uh, enabled you to have that. So I definitely just wanted to point that out. So, you know, you you get to Oklahoma State, or let's just talk, you wind up going to Oklahoma State. um, And what was that first year like for you?
1: The first year was tough. Um, We had uh, three guys on the team that were in the top ten in the world. Um, And you take five guys to the tournaments. So that pretty much leaves two guys going to the tournament out of about 12 other guys. 10 or 12 other guys um you know and coming in as a as a high school kid you know you think you're going to be a world beater and hopefully just make the team and play every single event um and i ended up qualifying in the fall we had four tournaments in the fall i qualified for the last two events um and played terrible in both of the events and then never played never qualified again in the spring um You know, looking back, I wish that I would have known that, you know, I'm obviously going to be better my fifth year if I stayed a fifth year and redshirted than I was going to be my freshman year. Um, And, you know, I I wish I would have redshirted, but the lessons that I learned because I didn't helped me a lot, I think. Um, But that first year, you know, moving away from home, going up to college and we got guys on the team from all over the world, all different backgrounds. It was a, uh, you know, kind of a reality shock of just all of that background of all these guys. And, and, you know, they live life a lot differently than I did. And then also the stress of school and golf. And so it was kind of a whirlwind of a year. I don't, I, looking back, it's hard to even remember it. It's like a blur. Yeah. Um, just because I was like, "What is going on?" You know, <laughs> and uh, but also, it was just awesome just to be there on the team um, and hang with those guys and learn from them. Uh, but that I think as I kind of grew up, and that that feeling wore off a little bit to where I kind of transitioned from being, you know, in awe of, of being there to feeling like I belong and I can help the team compete and hopefully win national championships. So it was, a, you know, yeah, that first year was that first year was tough.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Well, yeah, like you said, you're, you're transitioning into a whole different kind of lifestyle, a new experience, a new place, uh, playing golf with some really, really high caliber golf players uh, on one of the you know, the best team in the country, you know? So, and that that's the thing too, behind the scenes is Oklahoma State, their golf program has been top notch for a long time. And so you get to go be on this team, which I don't know how you compare it, but it, it, it's at the top. So yeah. you're there with all these high caliber guys from all different walks of life and backgrounds. And so one thing I do want to point out, like it's great, you set goals and you achieve goals, right? You work for those. You get to Oklahoma State, that was probably you know, a goal to play at division one, a great program going to be around great players every single day. You get there and you talk about a little bit about being kind of in awe and like excited to be on the team and whatnot. But then at the same time, I, I would assume, you know, competition is really key for you, like being competitive, wanting to be the best you can be, and also wanting to, you know, to frankly beat the guys around you, even though you're on the same team, you want to continue to get better and better. And so when you have that competitive edge, uh, you get to this place where you're not just satisfied for being there. You know, you want to compete, you want to be at the top, and you want to give your best effort in all you're doing. So I think sometimes it's easy to sit there and watch and see, oh, well, it looks like he's he's had it made. But, you know, when you battle through adversity in those situations, talk about, like, your mindset. Like, how did you kind of mentally kind of grind away and keep chipping, a, a keep kind of climbing instead of just kind of declining?
1: Yeah. <clears throat> um. Well, I remember <clears throat> after that first year, um, and even after my sophomore year, um, I didn't really play that great. I mean, I played fine. I played, I think, all the events my sophomore year. So I made the team, which was great. But, you know, there was kind of a transition to where the more work that you put in and, and then you started to get better – um, I could see a transition over my next couple of years of not being satisfied just to make the team. But. And this really helped me, but looking at it as, you know, I want to be one of the best players in college golf. And so making the team shouldn't be a problem, um, you know, and the more work that you put in to do that, you know, something that seemed really hard my freshman year making the team, you know, seemed more like a well i'm going you know so i want to be the best in the country um and so the mindset shift over my time in college you know really helped me um and i remember sitting down with coach mcgraw uh after the fall yeah the fall season um i think my sophomore year and what i appreciated about coach mcgraw was he was going to tell you what he thought you know he he would say it to you uh with Grace, but he was gonna tell you what he thought. Um and he was like, Ian, your your short game is just terrible. You know. I was like, Yeah, you're probably right, coach. He's he was like, I want you to go back, I want you to go back to the chipping green, and I don't want you to leave the chipping green all off season. So every single day, you know, it's cold in the wintertime in Stillwater. Yeah. I was out there chipping and the next spring, I, I could see a transition of, you know, whenever we went to tournaments, I was a lot more confident around the greens. And that translated into, you know, getting it up and down a lot more, shooting better scores. And I, I always appreciated that about Coach McGraw, just, you know, saying, hey, you need to get better at this, and then coming alongside of you and helping you make a plan to do that. You know, we sat down in his office and made a plan of, okay, how how am I going to get just a little bit better each day um, to where, you know, we can fix the situation. And I continued continued that work throughout my career there and then and then into, uh, you know, professional. And short game putting around the greens was something that I ended up getting pretty good at, and I always attributed that back to, you know, sophomore year of college coach McGraw sitting me down saying you are terrible around the greens let's get better at this (laughs) (laughs) so
0: yeah well talk about were there sacrifices you had to make along the way and what were those that you had to kind of sacrifice and put on the back burner to be able to kind of excel in the ways you wanted to excel in golf
1: yeah I mean um, in high school obviously you know I had to get up early. I made that decision to get up early and, and work out. And I had a plan to do that because I wanted to gain some strength to hit it farther. Um, and so I worked with a guy and he helped me plan out what I needed to do in that regard. Um, in college, you know, I didn't have the, the typical college experience. Um, basically what a day looked like for us was, uh, wake up at six. Workout started at six thirty, and then class, you know, started at eight thirty or nine thirty, depending on the day. Everybody had to be out of class by noon because we all ate lunch out at Carson Creek every single day. Um, Coach McGraw would eat lunch with us, both coaches, and they were good about knowing. Um, all of these guys are coming from all across the world, and they're all the best amateur golfers in the world. You know, so they don't necessarily, and they're, and they're, everybody's highly motivated. So they don't need their hands held per se, but they also, you know, need a little bit of direction. And so he would ask us what our plan was for the day in practice. Um, That way he could help us execute that plan, um, which was great. Uh, So anyways, we'd go out, practice the rest of the day, you know, till dark or whatever it was. And then most of us had tutoring in the evenings to help us with our classes that either we had missed because we were at tournaments or whatever. You know, you do that till 9 or 10 at night, go back to the apartment and do it all again yeah um so you know some of my buddies from high school that were up at up in Stillwater at the same time you know they're hey you know come over and hang out you know it's it's 10 o'clock and they're just kind of getting started they're not going to bed for another four or five hours I'm like boys I I'm tired you know (laughs) so I didn't I didn't get to you know maybe hang out with friends quite as much as a normal college kid or maybe sleep as much I remember one of the guys on the team we walked out of the stadium after workouts one day and the sun was coming up he's shaking his head i said "brad what what's your deal?" he said "i've seen more sunrises than any college kid should ever have to see." <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> so yeah but you know it was it was for sure all worth it obviously um but it was sometimes it was hard at the time you know, we never got a spring break, you know, we'd see pictures of everybody going to, to Destin or a beach somewhere. And, you know, I remember one, one spring break, I was in Stillwater and it monsooned for a week straight. And I'm looking at pictures of people on the beach and I'm like, man, I'm stuck here in Stillwater and can't even go out and practice or anything. It's been raining for a week straight. Um, So in the time, that was a little bit tough, but you know, once we got to tournaments and got to represent Okie State at those tournaments, and you know, we were fortunate enough to fly sometimes private to tournaments and go to these amazing golf courses. And then you're like, okay, well, having to get up a little early and work out sometimes or, you know, miss a spring break is all worth it whenever you get to do this
0: yeah absolutely and and that's one of the things you know it's funny you know that's an awesome awesome little story but at the same time it's so true like those are sacrifices you have to make when you're a college athlete in some capacity it's a trade-off right if you want to be at that level and you want to compete for national championships every year that's what you got to do if you want to be the best that's what you got to do and so i I think that's what uh, separates people is you know People that are just going to school, it's kind of that average lifestyle. Well, if you want to compete at a high level, you're not going to be doing that average lifestyle. You're going to be doing something different. And so in order to achieve goals or do something, we have to do something different sometimes that things may not obviously be the way we want them to be ideally for fun or whatnot. But in order to get that level, we have to put in the work, be consistent about it every single day. Like you talk about pretty much repetition every single day. And that's something that I've found is that if you look at some of the best teams and organizations through, across all sports or even in life, I'm sure in business too, but, um, it's what makes people great is kind of that, that consistent, uh, honestly, monotony, like it's just mm-hmm. over and over and over and over again, but it's doing the right things over and over and over again. Um, so at times like even even when you're in those those uh those situations it's not that fun to go through but you know it's it's worth it and you know what's going to be out on the other side if you put in the work so that's a you know a great example what you're talking about of that um i want to transition a little bit into you had a coaching change coach mcgraw wound up leaving oklahoma state and you had a new coach come in talk about that and what that was like because he's a guy that Kind of recruited you, you were around you really re- respected and admired for the type of leader that he was and for mm-hmm. the person that he was as well. was that a challenging time for you as you got a new coach, or what was that like?
1: yeah, it was a challenging time for the whole team um just because that kind of came out of nowhere. We had had a hard uh last year or so um, we just weren't nobody was really playing good and Coach McGraw will even tell you he wasn't, he wasn't himself, uh, you know, he wasn't acting like the guy that, that we all knew that he was, you know, he wasn't the same guy that he wasn't recruiting, and, um. and that kind of all, I think, transitioned down from him, um, you know, we could feel his angst and stress a little bit, and I think that kind of flows down to his team because he's the leader. Um, and uh, you know, so we 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 weren't really expecting it. Um, and then, and Coach Bratton took over. Coach Bratton's great. Um, you know, they're just they're just different. Um, so we kind of had to figure out what the you know what the chemistry on the team is going to be now. Uh, at the time, that that next year, it was me and Taylor Gooch were the seniors, so we were, you know, we were kind of the the leaders of the team, and we had to figure out, you know, how are we gonna how are we gonna do this with Coach McGraw, with or without Coach McGraw? What's it gonna look like? Um, and I remember, you know, he called me, told me that he had gotten fired, and I didn't see him for another you know, basically from when we got back to Stillwater from the national championship to um, our first event of the fall. So it was a good two or three months. Uh, And I remember seeing him, saw him at Olympia Fields in Chicago, um, you know, and gave him a hug. And he was actually walking around with me uh, all day long that first day because he was following a kid named Trey Mullinax. Uh, who played for Alabama. Um, so that was interesting. You know, it was it was kind of surreal that he was, you know, walking there with me, but he was wearing red, which I thought he was allergic to, you know. <laughs> but, now, <laughs> but now he's wearing red. Um, so, yeah, that was just – it was a weird – it was a weird uh, kind of time, at least the first month or two of school. And then we kind of, you know, figured out what our – what who our team was um and, you know, fortunately played played really good that year as a team. Um And so Coach McGraw went to Alabama as an assistant after that year, and we met them in the finals of the national championship. So I don't think that will ever – something like that will never happen again where he was a coach for a team in the national championship and he had either recruited or coached every single one of those players. Yeah. Uh all ten of them from both teams and you know uh it was a hard day. It was a really hard day and I'm sure it was way harder for him because he was kind of torn, I'm sure. Oh yeah. Um but yeah, he that that was I think the one of the best things that's ever happened to him and I've heard him say that. Just being able to go to uh to Tuscaloosa, spend some time over there get his mind right. And now I think he's back to the same coach McGraw that he was, you know, back when he was coaching high school at Evan North. Just loving, loving coaching, loving golf. And and his team down there at Baylor now I think can feel that. And they they've done very well and played good the last few years because they have the coach McGraw that we all know who he actually is
0: yeah absolutely well and talk about that experience you're going in your senior year you get to play for a national championship um and you talked about the just the really interesting situation where he's on the other side uh essentially with you know another team that's you know against you guys he's not against yeah. you guys but in, in some ways he had to be so yeah yeah uh, um but for you what was that like competing your senior year in a national championship um, talk about that experience, all that hard work, the preparation that you put in, you know, you get to, you get to end your senior year competing for a national championship.
1: Man, it was, that was, uh, one of my favorite days on the golf course, even though we lost, um, it, we were up at Prairie Dunes which Prairie Dunes, which is in Kansas. So we had hundreds of fans come out, come up there and watch for the final day. And I remember that was probably the most nervous that I've ever been on the first tee of a golf tournament. Um, You know, with hundreds of hundreds of our fans around, all you can see is orange and I'm not even hitting a driver. I got a three wood. So the face is a little bit smaller. (laughs) My hand, my hands are shaking. (laughs) Um, And I just remember thinking, this is, this is what you come to Oklahoma state for. You know, this is why we've, Done everything we've done for the last four years because of this day right here and it was unbelievable I played really bad actually starting out I think I was four or five down through nine and uh, um, ended up coming back had a putt to tie the match and uh, missed it but that was you know that was what you what you come to Oklahoma State for and one thing that I always appreciated about, about Okie state was um, we have our cowboy pro-am, which is our, our fundraiser day every year in the fall. And so we get to not only meet, but we get to play with our donors. Um, And so we get to become friends with them. You know, we eat, eat dinner afterwards with them, get to talk with these guys who are, you know, business leaders from all over the country and and they're looking at us like they want to meet us which is you know which is weird (laughs) um you know you're a freshman or sophomore in college and you're talking with these guys you know and and boone pickens is walking by and everything and after being there that first year and seeing that and then getting to go out on the road and play and you're wearing the orange you know it, it was it was different than anything I'd been a part of before because you know all of these guys are following you and cheering for you and rooting you on and if and if we were playing in their city they were coming out to watch us and it was it was awesome being able to represent those guys and you know know that they're cheering for you and rooting for you and uh, you know hanging out with you sometimes afterwards if they're if we're in their city we get to go eat dinner with these guys so it was awesome it was like a you know you knew you had had guys in your corner rooting for you, whether you played good or bad. So,
0: Yeah. Were there any guys from those experiences that you got to talk with and learn from that really impressed you?
1: Um, yeah, I mean, there was, there was one, one of the guys that I met um, one year at our Pro-Am is now my boss. Um, and so, you know, that relationship never would have happened without Cowboy Golf. Um, I played, I got paired with him in our Cowboy Pro-Am, and we kind of hit it off and then stayed friends for, oh, it was probably, I don't know, 10 years after that before I ever came to work for him, Um, but we would play golf whenever I was back in town from playing professional events and, um, you know, stayed friends, and so now I get to be in his arena and And learn from him which is it's kind of all come full circle Uh, um so it's been pretty cool and and there was i mean tons of other guys that that i got to meet and talk with and and learn from um which was i mean you can't ask for a better opportunity than that
0: yeah absolutely and the thing that you know as you talk about those stories it's the relationships that you build throughout the process of playing golf or in life or it's college or things like that, that, that really shape us as people. And they provide us with these, these friendships that are lifelong friendships. So really cool experience there. So you guys play in the national championship. It didn't go exactly how you wished it would have, but you got to play and compete and what a great experience to talk about all the Oklahoma state fans that were there. So it kind of comes full circle. And then you wind up uh, graduating from college and you get to play professional golf. Talk about transitioning. You talk about transitioning. Your freshman year of college, coming into college. Now you're transitioning to professional golf. What was that
1: like? It pretty much mirrored my uh, my first, you know, first stint in high school and my first stint in college. Okay. It was not great. Okay. (laughs) Um, Well, I actually the week after we played the national championship, I started out playing professional golf by driving to Cleveland, Ohio. Um, So I was like, well, welcome to to pro golf. You know, you're (laughs) driving 15 hours to go play golf, to play a Monday qualifier. So I went up there, played the Monday qualifier, which is just a one-round, 18 holes. You know, it was like the top three or four of 150 guys uh, get into the tournament. And I got in. So I was like, shoot, this is easy. You know, yeah. I'm I'm in, I'm in this. I'm going to be on the PJ Tour in a week.
0: Yeah.
1: And, uh, you know, went, missed the cut, came on back home with my tail in between my legs. And for the first two and a half months of me being a professional, I didn't make a cut, which means I did, I made zero money. And I'm like, man, this is a, I don't know if it's going to work out, you know. Um, and I remember... A huge turning point. That first that first half a year being being professional, I played a Monday qualifier in Kansas. Um, Monday qualifiers take forever. I mean, it was a five and a half hour round, mm. middle of summer. So I finish, I miss, and I'm playing in the Colorado Open the next the next week, a couple days later. So I finish my round, and I'm driving ten hours to Denver. Um, by myself, you know, got tons, tons of windshield time to think and everything. And I, I was just thinking back about growing up and playing golf and why I played golf and everything. And it kind of hit me like, you know, I'm out here trying to play to make money. And, you know, that's all I've been thinking about. If you go out and play golf, just try and thinking about the outcome whether it's money or the outcome of your shot or whatever it is, you're not going to do good. And I was like, man, I, I used to play just because I loved beating people and competing. And that's, I mean, that's why you play golf. And so I was like, you know, this week I'm not going to, I don't care about money, how much this week's going to cost me. I don't really care. I'm going to go out and I'm going to act like I'm back, you know, as a junior in high school playing at a kicking bird in a golf tournament and just trying to beat everybody's brains out. Yeah. And that's it. And uh, so I ended up going, over, going over there to Denver, won the tournament. And I was like, okay, well, that's how you do it. You know, yeah. why, why, why did it take me two and a half months to figure this out uh, or to remind myself, you know, I had learned that in high school, I had learned it in college and then, you know, you take that next step in life and then you know you, you sometimes you got to re- remind yourself of you know why you're why you're there what got you there and you know you don't have to reinvent the wheel sometimes you just keep doing those small things and trust in the process and you know if you put it in the in the work you know a lot of times it'll work out so that's the hardest thing about golf and it's funny how golf translates translate so well into life. All the lessons you can learn from golf, you know, you can pretty much mirror, it pretty much mirrors life, you know. And if you don't, if you're always, if you don't think about the process and just, just what you have to do to succeed or to accomplish whatever goal that you're wanting to do, you know, you're not going to be able to, to kind of live up to your potential, Um, some of the best times that I ever played golf, I didn't, I wasn't worried about where it was going. You know, I wasn't worried about if the ball ended up in the water or out of bounds or anything like that, because I was so focused on what do I need to do to hit this shot good here? And then you just walk up there and do it again. And it's funny, you know, you do that 18 holes, 18 holes worth. And you know, it, it works out pretty good most times.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So you get in this kind of, uh, this, This state where you're kind of back to your old self, uh, you have a good tournament and you keep playing. Um, You know, what are the things that you did while you're playing professionally per se? Like what, what's your routine routine look like Uh, mentally? What are you doing to make sure you're you're staying focused on the right things and not to get overcome by the things you just talked about? Mm -hmm. Like describe a little bit of the process behind um, playing in, in professional golf.
1: Yeah, I think a lot of it for me is um, is kind of feeling like you belong on that stage or belong in that tournament or whatever it is. And for me, the way that – how that translates is putting all the work in beforehand and knowing that you've put in the work. You know, you've worked harder than anybody else. You've been doing this these small things and disciplining – Staying disciplined, you know, beforehand to where once you get on the first tee of a tournament, it's too late to prepare. You know, we've done all that before, and I think there's something to be said for that. Is feeling like you, the feeling that like you belong there, and knowing that you've worked as hard or or harder than anybody else in the field that week, and that that translates into being confident on the golf course, and. I you know I've seen that a little bit just in my short time working here is you know you put in all all the work before and all your prep work and everything and same thing with closing deals and real estate or whatever it is you know you put in the in the work before and the uh, the research before and everything and then once it comes time to actually do it you know you, you're ready to you're ready to fire um, so I think that's one of the things for sure golf has helped me with, you know, and will continue to help me with in life is, you know, once it gets to game time, it's too late to, it's too late to to prepare. And the worst feeling is stepping on the first tee of a golf tournament, knowing that you didn't put in the time, you know, you didn't, uh, you know, get up and, and work out when you didn't want to. And you're standing on the first tee knowing, Oh boy, I don't know where this ball is going and <laughs> you know i didn't put in the work to be prepared this week
0: yeah I don't um, know. but go ahead
1: well i was just gonna say for professional golf it's 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 hard a lot of times because you're uh you know long days long days outside practicing and everything and and a lot of times you don't want to you know get up and train or work out and you'd rather uh you know eat a bowl of nachos at the end of the day instead of eating some you know something healthier that's going to make you feel better the next day.
0: Yeah.
1: Um professional golf is is hard. If you're not on the PGA tour and even if you are on the PGA tour, it's it's a lot harder than a lot of people think because all you see is you know the Brooks Kepkas and Phil nicholsons of the world flying on their jets and winning tournaments. Well, there's a, there's a lot of backstory for, you know, for a bunch of other guys that don't get to do that. (laughs) Yeah. So
0: yeah. A lot of guys are driving their Jettas to a lot of their places.
1: (laughs) That's that's exactly right.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So, but it goes back. I don't know if you're a big John Wooden fan, but John Wooden had a quote, uh, failing to prepare is preparing to fail. And so that goes a lot to what you just stated. And I think it goes to note too, that there's so much, of the mindset like when you're doing something work as hard as you can possibly do at it but one of the things um that i think about is that yes you want to work as hard as you can in the moment but just because you work as hard as you can in the moment doesn't mean it's going to translate if you haven't prepared beforehand and when you prepare before beforehand and you work hard in the moment good things will come i mean that's really you know when you play sports you understand that the best you can do is the best you can do. And at the end of the day, if you lose doing the best that you can do and you put in the prep, uh, there's a, like a sense of peace. Like you still are competitive and you want yeah. to win, but it's like I get my best effort. So there's really, I feel comfortable with that. I want to improve. I want to get better, but man, there's a sense of peace that you have doing that. And yes, so for sure. when you do that, um, good things typically happen. So
1: yeah. One thing that I think contributed to our success at Oklahoma state was when we were home, I mean it was intense, you know whether it was workouts or or practice out at the golf course or qualifying i mean a lot of times qualifying for the tournament was harder and more intense than being in the tournament and and coach mcgraw and and our and our assistant coach you know pushed us hard when we were at home, especially in workouts um but yeah, it was more it, it intense at home a lot of times and one one thing I appreciated about both of the coaches but especially coach McGraw was you know when we stepped on that plane and got to whatever city we were going to you know he he it was like he was the most relaxed guy in the world no cares in the world and he learned that from coach Holder who was intense at home but once you got on the road with those five guys all the work's done and and now it's time to go show them what, what all we've been working on back in Stillwater. And it was amazing how you could look around and all the other teams and the coaches were just <clears throat> wound up tight. And we were relaxed because we saw both of our coaches, you know, relaxed, not worried. They knew we were going to perform. And that translated, you know, down through the team and made us be a lot more loose but also confident because we – we thought, and we knew we had worked harder at home than any of these other golf teams. Um, so all that, and that was all preparation, you know, beforehand.
0: Yeah. And you had great leadership to obviously teach you that at Oklahoma state. And then you're able to take those things that you've learned in your professional life as a golfer. And so you get to play a couple of different, uh, um, you know, tours while you're playing professionally, talk about those experiences, which ones you were doing and, and what was it like to go play and play all these different courses that maybe you hadn't played before, or play in different countries that you never played before? Talk about that
1: mm-hmm. yeah, um so for golf there's it's a little bit like the uh the lower levels in baseball <clears throat> where uh you basically have three lower tours um that feed into what's now called the Corn Ferry Tour. And the Corn Ferry Tour feeds into the Big Boy Tour, the PJ Tour. So the three lower levels are the Latin America Tour, the Canadian, and China. Well, there's no chance I was going to China. <laughs> <laughs> so I had two choices. <laughs> uh, so I actually went down to Latin America first because um, I knew it, I had known some guys that had gone down there in the past. <clears throat> and so first time I'm ever traveling out of the country – I was by myself, going to Lima, Peru. Uh, it was either Lima or Bogota, Colombia, and I remember landing and everything's in Spanish. Everybody talks Spanish, and I was thinking, "What did I just do?" Uh, luckily, I I ran into some some of the American golfers and. I was like, "Boys, I need help because I don't know what in the world I'm doing down here." You should, you uh, should have had
0: uh, Grant Hickman come down there to help you be your, yeah. your caddy.
1: <laughs> yeah, I would love to see him down there. I did take my, I did take my dad to Lima one year, and that was that was worth the price of admission, right? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so I played. Um, so that first kind of six months after I I uh, graduated and turned pro. Um, I just played around here, played many tours and everything. Then my first full year out of college, first, you know, full year of professional, um, I went down there to Latin America, played down there, Um, played pretty good. And the better you play on those smaller tours, um, it kind of – it moves you up in what's called the the Q school or qualifying school. And there's different levels that you have to get through. you got pre-qualifying. First stage, second stage, and final stage. There's four stages, and if you play well on the smaller tours, Latin or Canada, uh, you basically get to skip those stages, which is huge because you know you pay five thousand dollars to play one of the stages, and play bad, well, you're you're done, and you got nothing to play in for the next year. You either go back down to Latin or Canada, or play mini tours around the U.S. until. Q school comes again in October. Um, so those are some pressure packed weeks. Um, it, it, so I ended up playing well, made it all the way through to final stage. And you got like 200 guys, 195 guys playing in final stage for 45 spots. And had had one of the best weeks of golf of my life. Got second in the, in the tournament. So I had basically a full year on what was then the web.com tour played played that year learned a lot of a lot of lessons you know I I didn't play any good really um and I I think I played eight weeks in a row at one point and was just dog tired but I felt like I needed to keep playing to you know try and move up the standings when in reality it would have been better to you know take a week off and go back home and rest and practice and then come back fresh when your mind and body can be a lot more sharp Um, so I learned that lesson Um, then the next year I went and played the uh, what did I do oh I went back down to Latin and you know me and me and the latin tour kind of had a love-hate relationship <laughs> i did not like going down i did not like going down there i mean like i remember flying most of the time i flew back into houston uh from whatever country we were coming from and i would just kiss the ground when i got back back here <laughs> to america um so i remember my last when i finally broke down there i was in we were in nicaragua it was about 98 degrees and 98% humidity all week and my ac went out in my little bungalow i was in and i was done i said i told the boys i said we're going to mexico next week uh and i said after after we leave mexico next week i'm not coming back down here ever again and they thought i was kidding well a couple weeks later you know everybody's booking their flights to go to wherever it was argentina or something and, you know, they're asking me what, when my flight is. And I said, boys, I'm not coming back. I'm, I don't have a flight. And so I was, that was, that was the end of my Latin American career. And the next year I went up to Canada, um, which was much better. Yeah. Um, so, but that was kind of back to, back to kind of how I started. Me and a buddy got in a Toyota Camry or something. And we drove from Oklahoma City. To Vancouver and that summer it was a it was a fun summer because um, we got to see all of Canada pretty much we we drove most of the events and worked our way from the west coast all the way over at Victoria to you know all the way over to Toronto throughout the summer uh, and even though I didn't play great most of the most of the time um You know, those those experiences and stories and and uh, and memories are worth it for sure. Just just the life experience of getting to do that and uh, and compete every single week was a blast.
0: Oh yeah, you got a lot of flight miles uh, going yeah. down to South America, and then you got a lot of drive drive time in Canada.
1: So that's for sure. But yeah. at the same
0: time, you know, you just talked about it. Those experiences. I mean, what unique experiences that many people never get to get to have to, to go to all those different countries, uh, yeah. no matter what the the humidity or the heat is. Right. You know, getting to see that in different cultures and take that in, playing great beautiful golf courses. I mean, you're still playing at the some of the nicest golf courses both in Latin Latin America and then up in Canada. And then obviously, you know, Vancouver in the summer is beautiful. So yeah, there's so many great places.
1: Yeah. And, and getting to go to those places. And I have one of my best friends went to China a couple of different times and getting to go down to those countries, especially in South America, you know, you appreciate where you came from and you appreciate, you know, our country and, and, You know, you get to see a side of the world that I wouldn't otherwise have gotten to see. There was no reason for me to go to Bogota, Colombia or Lima or, you know, the middle of nowhere, Uruguay. um, And other than other than going there for a golf tournament. And because I was there, I got to see all this, all these, all these things that I wouldn't have otherwise gotten to see. And so, you know, it made me really appreciate being here and and just growing up how I did and you know it makes mowing yards in the summertime you know you'd be begging for for that Uh, a lot (laughs) of times if you were down there so uh, so that was really neat
0: oh yeah absolutely and you know I guess transitioning into kind of making the decision to the transition out of playing golf professionally and then getting into what you're in now um, because that's not an easy transition. It's not something that's easy to think about. Like, okay, it's time for me to actually, you know, hang it up. Talk about your thought process there. And how do you discern, um, you know, when it's time to keep pushing forward versus when it's time to maybe take uh slow it down and then pivot in another direction?
1: Yeah, it's not easy for me. It, it was, uh, you know, it was probably a process actually over about a year or so. Because um, whenever you, you've done that for your entire life, pretty much, and your your my dream was to play on the PGA Tour. You know, I told my dad would be talking with his buddies, and he'd say, "Ian, what do you want to do when you grow up?" And I would, you know, I'm mean, I was three years old, and I'd tell all these guys I was going to be playing on the PGA Tour. Um, and uh, so, you know, after the after the um, season in canada um i could tell i I just wasn't enjoying golf anymore um i wasn't having fun you know i was living out of a bag for 35 weeks a year um i'd like to have a wife and a family someday and even if you're on the pga tour you're going to be traveling 30 weeks a year and you know i didn't want to not see my wife for over half the year um which would be tough, and, and, you know, that's one of the sacrifices that it takes to play off and play on the PGA Tour for as good as, as everything is on the PGA Tour. You know, there's for sure sacrifices that are made. And so I just kind of started thinking and praying about it and talking with buddies and, and older guys. And, um, you know, I think every golfer struggles with this, every, probably every athlete is having their identity found in athletics or whatever sport they play. And I think that I struggle with that a little bit um, over the kind of the year I was thinking about hanging it up. Um, but, you know, kind of finally just realized, you know, my my worth isn't in golf and I can still play golf and enjoy golf and and, and all that, but I don't have to necessarily do it for a living. Um, and so that's when I was actually playing golf with my boss now. And, you know, uh, he offered me a spot here and, uh, and, and I took it and it's been great. It's been a transition for sure. Uh, you know, I did a little antsy being inside of an office sometimes, yeah. <laughs> uh, but, but it's been good. And, uh, uh, you know, you can play golf your whole life and I still have I still got a little fire in my belly to go compete. So I, I won't be I'm not completely done playing. Yeah. By any means, but traveling for a living and playing, you know, that 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 part's probably done.
0: Yeah. Well you talked about as you're making these decisions, it was a process throughout that year, but you talked to your your friends and then also people that you respect. Who are some of those those mentors that you have and talk about mentors, like how important is a mentor to have the guys that you look up to and admire and admire their, their counsel.
1: Yeah. Well, um, for sure. Coach McGraw has been a big one in my life. Um, even after college, you know, most coaches, I'm sure, you know, once they, once their players leave, or especially if they get fired, they're not going to be reaching out to their former players. And that's one thing that I, that I have appreciated about coach McGraw. Um, Another one that, that, I, that kind of became my mentor was our assistant coach in college. And um, I would go and stay at his house in Denver for the Colorado Open after school. He, he moved back to Denver, and, and he's working. Um, and he was a great college golfer. He played at Oklahoma State, turned pro and did the whole deal. And then he actually decided to stop playing as well. And he's, you know, he's probably 20 years older than I am. And so I called him up and and I chatted with him quite a bit about, you know, what does this look like? How did you know that you wanted to be done playing? Um, And just asked him some of those questions that are kind of hard to answer when you're thinking about giving it up. And, um, you know, took some of his advice, obviously talked to my my parents. And, um, you know, my dad – my dad loved watching me play golf and loved all that. But, you know, he also loves that, you know, I'm enjoying what I'm doing now and not, you know, beating my head against a, a, a wall playing golf. So, um, yeah, they, listening to all those guys really helped me out a lot uh, because they sh- obviously shed some advice and light on – things that other ways of looking at it that you know it's hard for hard for you when you're in that moment in that situation you know it's hard to look past that what's that going to look like five years down the road or 10 years down the road so
0: yeah just having having great people around you to have a wise counsel from people you respect and admire when you're going through some adversity and trying to make difficult decisions is really important it's very key and one thing I want to ask you about you talk about wanting to always grow and be better, especially as a player, but as a person, you know, even today, what are some things you do to to grow as a person on a daily basis?
1: Um, For me, I hate getting up early, but once I'm up, I love it. You know, one of those types of deals. And uh, so if I, I try and get up and uh, get up, make a cup of coffee, and read for a while, have a, have a little Bible study devotional. And, um, you know, for the first 20 or 30 minutes that I wake up and that basically just sets the tone for the whole day. Um, and one thing that I've been doing here lately, um, I'm actually going next month on a uh, elk hunt in Colorado. Uh, so your boy's got to get in shape. Uh, if I, if I don't have something, you know, like, you know, I got a big goal for, you know, for golf that I want, I got to get in the gym and do this without fail, you know, well, without, without that, I've been kind of searching for something like, you know, cause I I've never been a big gym rat, you know, I don't crave going in there and working out or especially running. Um, <laughs> but what's helped me over the last couple of months has been this, you know, this goal of I'm, you know, going in the mountains and we're going to be backpacking in, we're carrying our camp on our back. And then hopefully we'll be carrying an elk out from the mountains. And so it's going to be, it's going to be tough. Uh, <laughs> so I've been, I've been, I've been getting up, I've been getting up and uh, reading, doing my deal and then going for a little run in the morning and then getting to work here by eight or eight thirty. And it's amazing how much, you know, better you feel you're you're ready to go you're confident and as opposed to you know sleeping in until 7 30 and wetting your hair and getting up here to work so
0: yeah
1: um so that's been that's been really good uh it's been fun and i'm i'm looking forward i'm glad that i that i uh am going on the elk hunt i'm you know kind of got it's a it's a uh a different thing to work towards but uh that's something that I I started back in college bow hunting. And, um, you know, it was always kind of my, my, uh, escape from, from golf in the off season. <clears throat> um, I think you, you know, no matter if you're working or whatever, you know, you got to have something where you're, you can just turn your mind off for a little bit. And that was kind of my escape for a long time in the off season for golf. And now, you know, instead of, only sitting in a deer stand you know me and a couple of my buddies have kind of started looking for other ways to challenge ourselves and going and killing a elk in the mountains will uh I'm, I this is my first time but yeah. from what i've seen and heard it's going to be tough so yeah. i'm looking forward to it it's going to be great yeah we're going to be rough, we're going to be roughing it and uh you know it's the it's kind of the next my next challenge i get to look forward to
0: yeah. We need to have you on after that experience and you can talk about yeah. it <laughs> yeah. if you survive. I'm
1: gonna, yeah. If I survive, I'm going to try and, uh, I'm going to try and video some of it and, uh, and kind of document it. I'm actually, I, I didn't draw a tag. Uh, my buddy Charlie did. Um, so he's, uh, he's going to be the one actually sh- doing the shooting. Um, you're going to so be doing a hauling. Yeah. I'm going to be, I'm going to be the pack mule. Uh, <laughs> yeah. He's. He's got – he's on the corn ferry right now. He's got the three playoff events to try and get his PGA Tour card. He's flying from the last playoff event to Colorado. If he gets his PGA Tour card, he's going to spend five days hunting elk in the mountains and then fly straight to his first PGA Tour event. Oh, <laughs>
0: so, man. So
1: that... Yeah, it'd be, a, it'd be quite the week if he could, if he could get his card.
0: Oh, if he gets his card, gets a, gets an elk in the mountains and gets to go back and play on the PGA, that'd be pretty pretty good a week. So. Yeah, that's
1: about as good as it gets right there.
0: Yeah, well, what you guys need to do next is you need to take up uh, boar hunting, where you corner the boar, uh-huh. you know, yeah. and get,
1: yeah. <laughs> get that on video. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, let, I'll let our buddy Grant do that. <laughs> okay.
0: Awesome. Well, as we wind it down, you know, some of the things you talked about are great lessons that you can apply and and in, in your life for sure. Um, but I just want to talk about, are you a pretty big goal person? It sounds like you've, you've always had goals or is that something that, um, it's just the things that come about you every single day?
1: Um, I think that, yeah, I'm, I'm a goal person. Um, once you get those goals, I think that, uh, even more important than that is finding the process that's going to get you to that, because that's the things that you can, that's, that's your plan that's actually going to get you to where you're, you're wanting to go. And without that, you know, it's, it'd be, it's hard to get to where you want to go without a, without a plan and a process.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Because
1: that, that process and plan is going to be the thing that's going to help you do those small things every single day that seem like they're not getting you anywhere, but you keep building on those blocks. and And then eventually you look up and, Oh, you know, I reached that goal. It's time to set a new one. Let's keep moving, moving forward.
0: Yeah, no question. So uh, at the end here, we do a fire round. So I'll just uh, say something. You can finish the sentence. Okay. All right. You can do anything if
1: uh, you're willing to sacrifice what it takes to get there. Focus is trust in the process. Favorite vacation spot? Mountains, Mountains. for sure. Uh, determination is? Um, having that fire where nobody's going to stop you from getting to, to, to that goal that you want to reach and getting to where you want to go. Awesome. No matter no matter how hard it seems or, you know, what the odds are, uh, not, not getting discouraged and, and pushing forward no matter – no matter what you might think in the moment or what anybody else says.
0: Mm-hmm. And you've kind of touched on these a little bit in, in our story so far, but uh, what's your favorite, you have a favorite golf experience?
1: Uh, yeah, either the national championship that day I was talking about or uh, that win in Colorado was was really cool. Um, I had one of my good buddies on the bag, uh, Ben check. And uh, it was just a fun week, you know. We he was great. He, you know, he always says he's he's one and zero on the bag. You know, (laughs) uh, he can't be beat. Um, And we, it was, it was awesome. We were we were meshing. He was actually caddying really good, and I was just doing exactly what he said, and and uh, ended up winning. And, And that was one of my favorite favorite time favorite weeks on a golf course for sure.
0: Mm-hmm. sounds like he needs to switch professions so yeah <laughs>
1: it, it all comes down to Ooh. Um, priorities having your priorities in line for me if uh if I don't get up and spend time in the word in the morning kind of set that tone everything seems to get out of whack and yeah. it'll get out of whack pretty fast for me.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's great. So, all right. Well, we're done with the fire round. So, thanks for doing that. A few last questions is is there, um, if you could only share like one sentence to maybe your parents, because I know they were really influential in your life,
1: what would it be? To my parents or from my parents? To your parents. Um, I would, uh, I would thank them, especially my dad for kind of letting me find my own path without him, you know, pushing anything on me. Um, at least, especially for for golf, uh, you know, I decided that on my own. And because of that, I was willing to kind of do what it took to get where I wanted to go. Um, and same with my mom. Both of them were as supportive, supportive as you can get and have sacrificed more than I, than, more than I'll ever know, um, for me being able to just chase that dream for a long time.
0: Yeah. Awesome. Is there a certain piece of best advice you've ever received?
1: Um, my dad always tried to instill in, in me and my brothers, uh, you know, having our priorities in line and, um, <clears throat> you know, you get you get off with the Lord or with your family, and you know, if if you're small circle it and getting good, you're not gonna be able to influence uh, the world. Um, you know, if that immediate if that immediate circle it and right.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. Uh this podcast is called Building Excellence. What does building excellence mean
1: to you? Mm. Uh, doing all those small things right. Um it's those small small little mundane building blocks uh and doing those right doing those with excellence um, that will get you to where you want to go
0: Ian thanks so much for being on the show really appreciate you sharing your stories and your lessons and uh, just really appreciate you coming on the show
1: appreciate you having me. That was, that was great, Bailey. And I'll give you an update whenever I get back from the mountains.
0: Yeah. Hey everyone. It's Bailey miles. Thanks again so much for tuning in. We hope you found value in the show. And if you enjoyed it, we would really appreciate you sharing the show with a friend, subscribing on Apple or Spotify podcast, writing a quick review or leaving a five-star rating. When you do that, it really helps get the message out and allows more people to hear these stories and help them build excellence in their life, leadership, and legacy. If you have any questions, thoughts, or ideas, I'd love to hear from you. You can reach out to me via email. It's bailey at baileymiles.com. Follow us on social. We're on all the different social platforms, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Or check out our website at baileymiles.com. Once again, I'd love to hear from you, so definitely do that. And then thanks again for joining me
1: on this journey. And remember, life begins at the end of your comfort zone.